say you can't keep a good guy down. And that holds no truer than with the two goodest of boys, your Joes, who after a brief hiatus due to the lack of UFC, Bellator, PFL, 1FC this past weekend, we had ourselves a little break, but we're back here to give you guys the weekend preview. And what a weekend it is. It all belongs to the UFC and their pay-per-view. It's the 273rd one of those. So, Dominic, before we just hop right in to all the, all the goodies that have been, that's been the week of and the weekend ahead, uh, how was your brief hiatus from doing the show? It was fantastic. You know, it was a nice refresher. I feel like we were really, we just got into the grind and it just flew by. I mean, there were like eight straight fight weeks, multiple episodes we had where there were so many different cards going on. So it was nice to, you know, just have a little break. We still had the vlog go up and had some content still on the channel, but it's so good to be back on the podcast where it all started, baby. I'm excited. It's a phenomenal card. We've got title fights. We've got Chemayev. We've got it all going on in Jacksonville, Florida this weekend. And I'm just ready to break it down, my friend. Are you? I'm, I've been ready, brother. I've, the odds were released a lot earlier than <laughs> usual due to the off week. And, man, it hurt. It hurt not to push those, put some bets in like yeah. early. I know a lot of people do that. But I like to talk about the odds as it stands when we're you know placing them. Of course. Um, that didn't really happen this time anyways. I still placed mine. Um, or we placed ours probably about a day ago. Well, Tuesday, I guess. We're mm-hmm. talking about this on Wednesday. So uh, not going to be totally accurate, but you guys don't have to worry about that because that's the betting show. But uh, I guess, Dom, uh, one more thing before we get in here. Uh, I want you to take the mic and let the good people know where they can find us on social media. You can find me personally on Twitter on Instagram at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow the show, the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at NTBaker underscore. Hit the bio, the link. There's a link there. I'll lead you to a link tree. A whole bunch of links on that link tree. All go check them out. But you again can find me there at NTBaker underscore. We start with the main event of UFC 273 mm. for the featherweight title, men's featherweight that is. As Alexander Volkanovsky looks to make his third defense against the Korean Zombie, Dominic. So, so an interesting fight here for the Korean Zombie. This is his first attempt at fighting for a featherweight title since UFC 163, I think was the Long event. time. Uh, it's been a long time. This man has done a whole-ass military service in between, um, had his comeback, and he's looked very good. He's looked like even a more complete fighter maybe yes. as of late. But, Dominic, the odds tell a different story. A 7-1, to one, over 7-1 mm. to one favorite, mm. does most books place Alexander Volkanovsky right now can you can this is a big difference from when he was fighting Brian Ortega and when he was uh, you know minus 150 mm-hmm. somewhere in there can you explain to the people why Volkanovski has been given so much of a boost this time around 
Well, one of the most underappreciated fighters in the UFC is finally starting to get some respect, it looks like, Noah, because a minus 720, I'm truly flabbergasted. Don't get me wrong, he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Korean Zombie, kind of, I mean, this isn't like a short notice, but he wasn't originally going to be the title challenger, so I get all the circumstances, uh, but I'm excited. I think this is a closer fight uh, than most people think on paper, just because Korean Zombie has shown improvements. Uh, and his well-rounded skill set is really getting sharpened. I still, you know, it sucks that we did lose out of the prime years of Korean Zombie when he was doing his mandatory military service. But like you said, he has looked good since he's returned. He looked great in his last outing against Danny Ige for five rounds. And he's going to need that type of approach, that type of all-around game uh, game plan, that is, to come, come and try and take the title from Volkanovski. It's crazy he's already going into his third title defense He's been relatively active, man, to be honest, for Alexander. And I will say as a guy that, you know, I struggled to give the proper props to Volk when he had those fights with, you know, Max Holloway, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, But he beat him, right? And that's all that matters. But then he had that amazing war with Brian Ortega. And I've just grown to really appreciate the greatness of this man and how smart he is. You're not going to see many other fighters, honestly, Two of the best, like, highest IQ fighters in the UFC are fighting on this card, and that includes Alexander Volkanovsky. So I'm very excited to see the X's and O's and how this plays out because, Noah, he's dead set on finishing the zombie. That's easier said than done. Yeah. You know, the story for this, these odds, this fight, it feels like Max Holloway does cast a pretty big shadow over this fight. He was originally scheduled to be in this place against Volkanovski, pulls out with an injury, and then kind of all hell breaks loose. I mean, the (laughs) the pullout came about 24 hours after the fight was announced. Yeah. Then we hear rumors that the UFC were attempting to put Max Holloway and Josh Emmett in the main event of UFC Columbus, which happened two weeks ago. Yeah. so Max Holloway is now kind of the backup fighter for this, or he's, I don't know if he's officially the backup fighter, but he said he's, uh, you know, ready and if yeah. anybody, anything happens. Kind of weird that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure that for some people, they would love if the UFC would come in and be like, okay, zombie, thank you, but all right, we're going to do the trilogy now. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can see yourself out. But obviously they're not going to do that. So I think for a lot of people, there's just this inevitability to this fight. Alexander Volkanovsky has passed every test. Don't get me wrong. There's still unfinished business with Max Holloway. But he's, I mean, this run he's been on has been really something to behold. I mean, you're talking about some of the most durable fighters in UFC history that he's gone up against. You, you go back to even before he won the title. He probably, outside of Peter Jan, which was at Bantamweight, he was probably the most deci- like and I get well okay let me just say it he so decisively beat Jose Aldo a fight that a lot of people don't even remember anymore it was Aldo's last fight at featherweight mm-hmm. it was 30-27s across the board Volkanovski was just such that was where the puzzle that puzzling factor where it's like oh my god how can you beat this guy like he just yeah. has so many things he throws at you that you he forces you to focus on but you can't focus on you know five different things at once. Um, I know Aldo, you know, he got knocked out by McGregor and Holloway, but it was just such a decisive win that it was like, okay, this guy might be for real. But 
Then to go in at UFC 245 and beat Max Holloway, who was really making a case to be the best featherweight of all time. And I thought, I don't think there's an argument to be made for the first fight, personally. I think Volkanovski no. clearly won that fight. Not, not by any means a blowout, close fight. But if someone tells me that Max Holloway won that fight, I think that they just haven't watched it in a long time and yeah. are probably a Max Holloway fan. Second fight, different story. Still very close. Not a robbery. But me and you both scored it for Max Live, I would say. Yeah. I haven't watched it since. If I did, maybe I'd feel differently. It's that third round is always where yep, that's that's the, the one. tide turned. Uh, Max started out strong, dropped Volkanovski twice. Yeah, once. in each round. Yep. Um, while Volkanovski came on strong late, it's that round three where the tide began to turn. You don't really know who you give that round to, but Volkanovski, again, edges him out of the scorecards. Then, I mean, and that's Max Holloway, who, again, has absorbed, I believe, the most significant strikes in UFC history without being dropped one time yeah. in his career. Follows that up with Brian Ortega, mm. who we know what a warrior that guy is. I mean, that guy gets hit. He takes damage, but boy, does he find a way to survive. And that, I mean, that was my fight of the year. Volkanovski Ortega, it was an ass whooping for the most of it. Volkanovski looked phenomenal. This is the fight that earned him the respect that put yep. these odds so lopsided in his favor. Yep. He looked like the best fighter I've maybe ever seen this night. I mean, it's kind of like how I felt about Max when he fought Calvin Cater. Right. right. It was one of those big time performances. But it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't danger free. Ortega yeah, huh. locks on two different deep, deep submissions in round three. Hail Mary submissions in a way. And then Volkanovski able to fight his way out of both of them. I mean, that no fight, one else gets out of that guillotine. The story that fight tells is just like, oh, masterpiece. Yes. But it was mostly a one-sided beating for Volkanovski. So once again, this guy just earning that respect. And now he follows that up with the Korean Zombie, who, just to be clear, has that nickname for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Not just because no matter how many times he gets hit, he keeps moving forward, but it's because it's kind of hard, you can't, it's kind of hard to kill a zombie. And uh, the Korean Zombie has not been finished many times in his career. We all know about the... The, the, the hmm. amazing five-round main event with Yair Rodriguez, the last second yeah. uh, spinning elbow. Awesome stuff. But Korean Zombie, normally, that dude, you cannot put him away. Uh-uh. That's kind of the battle here for me. Volkanovski. It seems like he thrives in these five-round wars because normally he's the one, uh, what do they say, swinging the hammer. Yeah, He's the one kind of testing his opponent's durability. Yeah. He's yet to really be tested as far as his his durability. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a tough ass dude. He's you know, again, those submissions in the Ortega fight. I mean, the fight through those was I thought one of those was at least gonna end it. I, I really did. But he's still here, and for the most part it's been clean. I mean, these five round fights with guys like Holloway, Ortega, and he's come out mostly unscathed. Yeah. Can he do that with the Korean Zombie too? Because if he does, Dominic, I think this fight is with a win here. And if he does it in decisive fashion, maybe even exciting fashion, we got to start talking about him as potentially the best featherweight of all time. Oh yeah, it's a. It, I mean, 
we we just it feels like when we started this podcast we still weren't over having that discussion with Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo. Volkanovski's beat them both, and obviously again still unfinished business with Max, but he he's getting the respect now. Obviously, the odds tell you that. Now it's time for legacy respect. I mean, yeah. Volkanovski might be near in top ten all time. Yeah, very true. Uh, I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Max Holloway currently holds the most win streak at featherweight. I think it was 13 or 14. Volkanovski's 10 and 0 in the UFC, all at 145, uh, and he's on a 20 fight win streak in general. This guy is is sick. He's unreal. He's again, he, his well roundedness, his fight IQ, second to none, uh, and that's what makes him special. So I like that he's getting the respect he deserves. If he does go out there uh, and beat Zombie over the course of five rounds, if he finishes Zombie. I mean, we're talking. I mean, we're talking right behind Kamara Usman. We're, we're we're starting a race, you know, for pound for pound, best fighter in the world. We really are. Yeah, I really think. I I honestly think there's an argument to be made that he's already number two in the UFC pound for pound. Yeah. Behind Usman, but I would actually think above Adesanya. Right. Um. But man, a, a win here, a decisive one at that, could really do a lot for his legacy. And I mean, if he were even if he were to finish the Korean Zombie. I mean, a cherry on top for sure. And then before we move on, Dominic, I do just want to kind of wrap this thing up a little bit, get, talk about the Korean zombie a little bit. Obviously, he wasn't the original guy pegged to be in this spot. But since he's here, what does he have to do in your mind, in your opinion, to find a way to get the win over Volkanovski? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to say make Volk fight off of his back foot because Volk's constantly pressuring uh, guys and always coming forward. And that's what Zombie's known to do as well. So it's like, we're going to meet in the middle. Someone's got to waver. Someone's got to go backwards. And, you know, dude, if Korean Zombie can pull off this win, I mean, we've had a lot of feel-good title victories lately, especially last year. Man, what a story that would be for the Korean Zombie after all he's went through, fought for the title many moons ago, and now he's back again in a fight he wasn't even supposed to get uh, but I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be here. Uh, so there, there's big storylines to be had on both sides of the uh, the thing, man. What do you think, like, in terms of can Zombie do this? And if so, how do you think he can do it? So I was a big believer in the Korean Zombie as a potential title holder in the lead-up to his fight with Brian Ortega. Yes. That loss to Ortega hurt my, like, uh, the way I – the. It hurt my like view of the Korean Zombie. I felt like, well, probably not the seeing the best of him anymore. Like that just felt it was a deflating performance. It wasn't what we were used to seeing from him. Don't get me wrong, Brian Ortega was yeah. an absolute beast it was a... in that fight. Um, but you know, it just wasn't. It just didn't look like the best Korean Zombie that we had been seeing up to that point. But his win over Dan Ige, again, not the most exciting fight in the world, which, you know, for TKZ, that's not the norm. But he did what he had to do to win in that fight. Dan Ige, a scrapper, a guy with big power in his hands. And Korean Zombie beat him, not necessarily with the pressure, not with the fist, but he just had a very well-rounded game plan. Grappled, yeah. And I'm pretty sure when we talked about that fight, I even th- I think in my head I kind of went, well, I think Ige might be the more well-rounded guy coming in here. Yeah. And TKZ just showed that that was not the case, that he's still adding new wrinkles to his game, even at the age of, I believe he's 35 or 34 at this point. Yeah. 
I think in order for him to have a legitimate shot at winning, he, there's got to be some sort of weakness to Volkanovski's game that we've yet to find. And that's... <laughs> Good luck finding it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that tells you where I'm leaning. Obviously, I'm leaning with the champion here, but... I mean, what if Korean Zombie is going to be the larger man of the two? He's going to have a certain size advantage. Yeah. Is there opportunities for him to get takedowns? Is there, um, like you said, fighting off the back foot? If he's the one being pressured, how does he do with that? Also, like I kept saying, despite the fact that he's been in like all these five-round wars, the war part comes from just how much his opponents are absorbing. Yeah. Like, he's not really taking a lot of punishment. So if the Korean Zombie can land anything significant, of like a, a very powerful head kick or or some combination that really wobbles Volkanovski, how does Alexander do when he has to really dig deep? Yes. We've seen it with the submissions. Here, I just want to see it, you know. Elsewhere. Can he get hurt on the feet? How can he survive that? You know? Yeah. So I think there's, a, there's definitely a way for Korean Zombie to shock the world here. But even though I don't necessarily agree with the odds being this much stacked in Volk's favor, a Korean Zombie win would definitely be a shock to the world, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Talk about the co-main event, Uh Dominic. It's about time we get this division back on track. UFC 259 is where this story starts. Peter Yan was the champion. Aljamain Sterling, the number one contender. We got a great fight. A fight that Sterling started out red hot. Just super... Insane pace. Yeah, just putting up an insane pace. However, Peter Yan does what Peter Yan does. He's essentially... His brain is essentially like a computer. Yeah. So he reads everything you do in round one. Oh, dude. (laughs) And then he just has a plan of attack against it the rest of the way. We mm. saw it in the Corey Sandhagen fight. Sandhagen wins round one, did win around the rest of the fight. Here with uh, Sterling, I would argue he didn't win around the rest of the way. Unfortunately, though, in round four, really when Jan was really starting to pile it on and maybe looked like he could even get a finish in that round or round five, he throws an illegal knee while Sterling is down. Sterling unable to continue. That mm-hmm. means... Dominic, that for the first time in UFC history, a belt changed hands via disqualification. A terrible way to end that fight. Was on our it was our winner at the Joey's for the most disappointing fight of the year simply for that finish. Yeah. And a lot's came of it since. We were expecting an immediate rematch. Obviously, that wasn't gonna happen because why would it? Sterling having to get serious neck surgery. There was even some questions on maybe what his future would hold. Peter Yan and him were booked for UFC 267. It was the co-main event for that card in Abu Dhabi. Sterling pulls out. He wasn't ready to go quite yet. In steps Corey Sandhagen. We get an awesome five-round fight between those two for an interim title. So now here we are. Interim champion versus champion. And the champion comes in at a plus 360 as of now on the odds. Mm. A lot of people look at that first fight and go, Peter Yan was clearly winning, was going to win that fight, and they don't see this fight going any different. My question for you, Dominic, when you look back on that first fight, 
is that the story you take away from it? Is it is it is there anything different to the narrative? The narrative right now is that Peter Yan pretty much dominated that fight and that he would again. But when you go back and look at that first fight, do you feel like maybe Sterling did better than people give him credit for? And maybe that makes him more of a viable underdog here? Yeah, I think he did do better. I think he just gassed himself out. Uh, there's, this fight's going to be a complete 180 from that first fight. I think it's going to be very different. I think it's going to be a very different game plan and approach for Sterling. Uh, and Peter Jan's even acknowledged that on Embedded, I saw where he said, uh, you know, Sterling came out with a crazy pace in the first fight. I know he's not going to do that in the rematch. Uh, and you just can't. Like, against a guy as technically precise as Peter Jan, I don't, like, again, he's willing to lose the first round. We see it in almost every fight that he has. But are you willing to go in there and give it your all in round one to try and get a finish only to come up short and then you're fucked the rest of the way? Because that's kind of what happened in the first fight. So uh, I think this is going to be very strategic on both ends. And it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to win this game of chess. Uh, but I, I, the narrative, you know, Peter Ion did dominate. But I think people are just forgetting, like, Sterling looked really good for the short time being. So... Look for this fight to be much different. I'm not saying much closer, you know, one way or another, or one-sided one way or another, but it's going to have a completely different storyline this time around than the first one. I'm I'm amped, honestly, for this one. It's just, I felt like that fight happened like five years ago, and we're finally getting it here, so I'm excited. Yeah, it does feel like that fight happened a long time ago. I mean, it's just, this division is too good to be kind of this up in the air, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people didn't like Sterling posing with the bell and thought he was acting up, the you know, putting on a performance when he couldn't continue. I say that's all a wash. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm no judge of an act. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to judge a man's acting performance. I have no idea. Yeah. All I know is Peter Jan threw an illegal strike, and it is what yes. it is. I mean, he has to face the consequences of what happens with that. That being said... I went back and watched the first fight and, you know, a lot of people were trying to tell me like, it's a lot closer than you remember. And I went back and watched it. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. Sterling wins round one. Clearly. I mean, he, he puts it, he really goes for it, but man, the difference between him and round one and the rest of that fight is oh, yeah. like night and day. And yes. some of that is his own fault for starting to, you know, uh, gas, gas, but Peter Jan also just turns it up. Mm. So when I look at this fight, Dominic, you said you think it's going to be a complete 180. Well, I think if Aljamain Sterling just like completely changes his game plan and says, like, okay, now we're going to not do anything we did in that first fight, I actually think that might be worse for him. Mm. I think it might be because I don't – Peter Jan, I am of the opinion Peter Jan is the best fighter in the entire company. I know – Pound for pound, Usman, he holds the, like, he is number one. But as far as skill for skill, tip for tat, I think Peter Jan is the best in the company. Aljamain Sterling showed a way to at least win a round against Sterling. You come out hot. You come out early. Take it to him early. He just just went too hard. I mean, he, he could have reeled it back 50%. And still probably won that round. Yeah, yeah. But instead, he just, like, exerted all this energy right away, whether it's because of nerves or um, maybe really feeling like he could get him out of there in a round. Not the best decision. 
But I still think that if Aljamain Sterling wants a chance of winning this fight, I think he has to start out as the aggressor early. Yeah. I still think that that's the game plan here. Try to build a lead on Peter Yan. Can you get that lead? Can you win one, one, two, and three, and then play defense for rounds four and five? It's a tall task. I'm siding with Peter Yan here. I'm just saying that if Aljamain Sterling wants to win this fight, that's the way you do it. And if in the the heat of the battle in, let's say, round one or two, what if there's a slip? What if there's a scramble? Aljamain Sterling gets top position on Peter Yan. That's his world. Yes. Peter Yan outclassed him a bit in the first round when it came to trips and takedowns. But I would still say if Aljamain Sterling is able to have Peter Yan on his back, yes, it at least favors him. I agree. But it's the chances of getting there are just slim. I just think that uh, I don't think you, if Aljamain Sterling decides we're gonna try to save some of that energy, like you know, let's let's not go out and I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. Like you're talking about, like this chess match. Like look, mm-hmm. let's try to read Peter Yan. Let's not get overzealous. Let's not come out aggressive. I think that's actually going to be worse. He's just going to get steamrolled if he does that. Because if if he doesn't even tr- really go for it early, then I think Peter Yan is just a far more high IQ fighter, has more skills, and I think that that's just going to show, and it would be a pretty one sided beating the rest of the way. Yeah, I want to see how Sterling can uh, go with the grappling <laughs> department. Because like you said, he is great on the ground. We saw in that first one very sloppy takedowns mostly because he was gassed yeah. but if he can I mean, really he failed, try and he yeah. failed to get that fight to where he wanted to in the first one yeah so i almost wonder like have they looked back and seen is there any is there any sort of openings that Jan allows for a level change because that could that could pay dividends cuz we we've not really seen Jan on his back so like for all we know if sterling can get that one there's a round in the books right there for all we know he might be able to keep him down you know i mean you saw how easy he did it to Corey sanhagen so i'm looking for sterling in these level changes to see if he wants to grapple i heard a big clack in the back (laughs) i don't know what that was but anyways moving on oh my feature belt which honestly almost feels like it's just the third main event here yeah Gilbert Burns welcomes Hamzat Chemaev to top five territory here. <sighs> Dominic, we've this been is ready. the fight. We have been waiting for Hamzat Chemaev to get this kind of fight. He was literally booked as an unranked welterweight against Leon Edwards at the end of 2020. Yeah. And then all of the COVID shit happens with Hamzat. He nearly retires. He comes back. He fights Li Jingliang at, at uh, Abu Dhabi. Dominates him. Picks him up. Carries him over to Dana White. Savage. Starts just, I don't know what he's saying. saying I, I, I smash everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this guy, every test. Look, I understand. When you look at these odds, they're very steep. And we, we did. That was pretty funny, the clip yeah. you got of us talking about that. Uh, we are definitely not odds makers, that's for sure, because uh, people worry would have made a killing off us if Hamzat ends up winning this fight, because we were of this opinion, well, yes, Hamzat, we believe, is like the next guy. Like the, We believe in the hype. Yes. But you have to respect Gilbert Burns and what he's already done, what he's accomplished. 
because really a lot of the Hamza hype is based on projection. Yeah. There's none so, of that in these lines, by the way. No, no, none of it. No, no respect <laughs> no. for Gilbert Burns at all. And honestly, Dominic, I still couldn't put any money on Gilbert. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't because I understand what people were saying. If there's any Hamza detractors out there, they'll tell you, you guys are buying into him with wins over like Mirchart, Reese McKee, you know, Jing Liang. Like these guys have nothing on Gilbert Burns. And fine, yeah, you're probably right. But this isn't normal. We've never seen anything like this. And outstrike his opponents, what, 254 to, to two? two? To two. I mean, that doesn't happen. No. Sure, we see guys coming in and look fantastic, and maybe they fizzle out. But what this guy's doing is truly special. I mean, he is not being touched. He is simply levels above his competition up to this point. Even when he fought the leech, who was a legitimate top 15 guy, and he still treated him like he was dirt on his shoe. Yeah. This is the test right here. This is the fight I've wanted for Hamza following that performance against the leech. Gilbert Burns, to his credit, is a fantastic welterweight, a top tier welterweight. He has had a vast improvement over the years in his hands. His hand speed is already top-notch. Then you bring in the fact that he is an ace when it comes to his BJJ. The guy is really well-rounded. He damn near became the champion, Noah. Yeah, everybody likes to kind of look over that with him and Kamaru's fight. But, I mean, he he dropped Kamaru in round one, had him on wobbly legs. Yes. Could this, could he do something like that to Hamza mm. Chimayev? I'm not saying it's, it's, it's impossible, but... Obviously, I think we know how we get aside there. So, Dominic, I kind of gave Gilbert Burns a little bit of shine there, but I want you to just give your thoughts on this fight, your thoughts on Hamzat's rise, and ultimately, is this the fight, is this the proper fight, in your opinion, to show if Hamzat is ready for that title fight? Oh, this is the fight, 100%. Uh, I was talking to our buddy Jordan, who's in the UFC Columbus video last week, last night, actually, about this. And uh, it was essentially what you said, like, you know, listen, we've had, you know, Conor McGregor's and Israel Adesanya's. We're seeing kind of Patty rise quickly with stardom and whatnot. I know he's in a different bracket, but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Hamzat's there, right? He's making this leap. Everybody's talking about him. None of those guys I just mentioned have made it look this easy. Not even actually comparable to how easy Hamzat's made it look. And uh, so... You know, he's number 11, but he might be number two in the world, actually, you know. And uh, if he comes in here and beats Gilbert Burns, it's going to say a lot. Like, you might as well, Kamaru, start getting ready, bud. And I know you got to fight Leon Edwards next, but uh, get ready. Because this guy truly is something we've never seen before. This is a talent I don't think we've ever seen before. There's a lot to be said here for the future of this guy. Gilbert Burns is that guy that, like you said, he's very quick. He's very powerful on the feet. I'm actually super intrigued if this fight stays on the feet. What's going to happen? Because let's not forget, Hamzat Chmaev has a 17-second one-punch knockout in the UFC as well. So, uh, And then on the ground, you know, you see these type of wrestlers like Chmaev that just dominate no matter if you're good at jiu-jitsu or not. So is Gilbert even going to be a threat off of his back? Because 
Chemayev is just so strong. He's going to put him up against the cage. There's going to be no room to work. So can Gilbert defend takedowns? Can Gilbert present a threat on the feet? There's so many. There's two title fights on this card now. Card stack, top to bottom, great card. All eyes are on this fight right here. This is the people's main event. It feels like the main event over the freaking Volkanovski versus zombie fight. This is the fight. And again, I think I've done this before, but I'm going to say it again here. You are one of the very first people to actually call for this specific matchup months and months ago. And now we're two days away. I appreciate that. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say it. You know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to give I myself you. the pat on the back. So I appreciate it. No, I, it's the matchup to really test. I mean, there's no test left really before you just say, here's your title fight. Yeah. Obviously you're not going to give Hamza a title fight off a win against the leech. Right. But to me, it's not crazy to give him, a top five guy. Like, it's just no. not. No. Like, don't get me wrong. Neil Magny, I love Neil Magny. I love that he's been, like, so adamant about wanting that fight. And honestly, his call out at Columbus was actually pretty badass, like, too. Yes. Don't care. No. We'll probably uh, never see that fight ever, like, actually. Literally have never been that interested in that fight. Just because I think he's past that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy to say. But, um... This fight is going to say it's going to answer a lot of questions. Um, I have a hard time seeing this fight go to distance. I have a hard time. Um, I just, but yet I have a hard time seeing Hamzat getting finished. I almost have a hard time seeing Gilbert Burns getting finished. Like just two guys that have just really done well <laughs> at this point. I mean, Gilbert Burns, yes, he got finished by Kamara Usman, but you know, you look at his time at welterweight, and he's been. He's been plenty durable at times. So, I got a question. Yeah, will we even see? This is going to sound crazy. It sounds like everybody, the world is against Gilbert Burns. But listen, will we even see Chimaev be at all threatened? Because I know the potential's there. But in your head, if you had to answer, I know this is a tough question. I'm putting you on the spot. Will we actually see him be threatened in this fight? So just based off of what I think in my head, how I see this fight going, no. I'm with I, you. I'm sorry. And that's crazy. Isn't I, that crazy? I, I'm sorry to people out there. Like, look, if 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 the reverse happens, we're going to eat it. Like, yes. We'll be on here and we'll admit that we were wrong. But we're totally overlooking Gilbert Burns. I mean, totally. Like, we gave him his credit, but we said it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Because we think Hamza Chemayev is that damn good. Well, and here's the thing, too. I've said this on this show. I kind of like when these guys get tested. We see some adversity. But part of me wants this flawless, perfect aura around Chemayev to continue. Is that, like, crazy? I just think this is, this is something we've never seen, man. It is. If this fight goes the way I kind of see it in my head, Hamza Chemayev will be a betting favorite against Kamaru Usman. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. But it's going to happen. Yeah. And it may, listen, it may be kind of sizable. But anyways, we'll talk about that on Monday. Like, you just said that, and I almost did the same reaction I did when you said it. (laughs) You're like, whoa. I still, that clip cracked me up. You're like, Noah, I almost did it. I almost went. Minus 200. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now he's 525. He's a minus 525. And I'm like, 
yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it checks out. Um, Yeah, I mean, this the way you can tell by the way we're buzzing about this fight. You don't get many fights like this. Like, don't get me wrong; these two title fights are awesome. That's why this card is just sick. But these these kind of fights. This This is the fight I'm looking forward to. A guy. This is this is very reminiscent of like Conor McGregor versus what Dustin Poirier the first time or. Uh, maybe versus Dennis Seaver uh, versus Chad Mendez. Maybe that's probably a better example. Yeah, you know you, these fights. Like I know the one with Chad Mendez was for a belt, but you, hear me out here. Like these stars that are, you know, this is the fight that's gonna. It's like, gonna be one of those fights where it's like you're gonna tell people where you were when you watched it. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, which yeah. there's not many fights you get about that. You know, since I've been watching live. I could probably, off one hand, tell you how many fights I could, like, that I tell people where I was when I watched it. Like a Mosby-Doll Askren type deal, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, again, this is all of Chemayev wins, but it's like, this is the one where we knew, like, we already knew, like, there was something there, but this is going to elevate Chemayev to the next level. And if Gilbert Burns wins, he's next for the title too. I yes. don't want to hear any of this stuff. We we better not come on here some Monday. And if he let's say Hamza gets knocked out like quick, wow, we do not come on here and say that. Well, I guess we were just wrong about Hamza. No, Gilbert Burns is that good? Him. Exactly. Yeah, and he would. He would. And I know so many people have been writing off him, uh, even getting a second shot at Usman. And I'm like, people definitely He's not don't that remember far. that first fight. Yeah. They definitely don't remember that first fight because I know Usman kind of dominated rounds two and three. But that first round, man, he was close. He was close. Anyways, we got more about UFC 273 mm. to come. But uh. we're going to move into some other UFC news, Dominic. Actually, kind of entails ufc 275 which is out in singapore yeah ufc been making a big deal about this i'm going to say the first pay-per-view in singapore i know they've been there before but um they've been talking it up quite a bit and we might be seeing a bit why because uh well road to the ufc is kind of the working name for a potential trademark new, pending new show that the UFC or new endeavor that the UFC, no, that's the owner of the UFC. Oh, that's kind of funny, but uh-huh. this new endeavor that the UFC are on, um, eight man tournament across hey. four weight classes, flyweight up to lightweight. Talking the old days here. <laughs> I don't think it's a one night tournament Doc, <laughs> because it's going to happen over the course of three months. Ah. The first of which will take place alongside the fight week of UFC 275 in Singapore. UFC is looking for Chinese, Vietnamese, Japanese, and Thai fighters. So, Dominic, are you on board with this endeavor? Does it feel like the UFC is making a proper kind of like double down into that Asian market? Yeah, this is pretty badass, actually. I'm pretty excited for this. You, For those that have been watching the show, if you're new, we love like seeing the newer guys come into the UFC, especially like Contender Series style. Mm-hmm. But this is like tournament-style Contender Series. I, and I, that's just taking it a level above. I love it. We've talked a lot on this show, too, about how the UFC's really been triggering that Asian market in the past few years. They're building performance institutes in Shanghai and whatnot. And uh, this is that next step. I think they really believe in it. I think their steps to 
expanding their global footprint as as global as it already is there's still so much to go and this is another step in the right direction uh we don't see we've not seen tournaments in the ufc in literal like years actually decades maybe (laughs) but so it's good to you know have these young fighters get this opportunity uh it's not one night style so you have time between fights to prepare uh i everything right now on paper from the small chatter we've seen looks to be a double thumbs up for me yeah, I, I can't really say anything on the contrary. Uh, I will just say that with this new kind of opportunity here, I would love to see the UFC try to try some new things out. You know, just let, this could be a way to maybe try some new things. And if it works, maybe you implement it in the Contender Series or even into your yeah. former shows. I'm thinking like, can, can I go crazy and say outdoor venues? I mean, maybe not, but... Mm. Like, I just love the idea of, like, a kumite, like, blood sport <laughs> style thing. That would be dope. But, I mean, obviously that probably won't happen. Um, but, you know, I've, Ariel Hawani has been talking big about open scoring for a while. Maybe you do yeah. something like that. Like, maybe just give us something to differentiate the product a little bit. Because as much as I love it all, and I love the UFC's presentation, it all does kind of blend together after a while. Like, Contender Series feels very much like a smaller version of a fight night. Yeah. This, I just think might end up being just another version of contender series, basically. But, um, I will say it is funny because UFC has been like so adamant against tournaments cause they never work out for them. I mean, they yeah. just have the worst luck with tournaments. Yeah. But I love that it's a tournament style. I, I would rather, there was some rumors, I think, cause they did, uh, contender series in Brazil that one year. Yeah. There was some rumors that they might do a contender series like Asia or China. And yes. Maybe this is what this idea is I think so. into because I think it's great to do tournaments. That's going to make it feel a little different. And if anything, this again just makes the ultimate fighter staying on feel all the more unneeded because you just, I don't know. I, you just have all these, these up and coming fighters fighting on these tournament style like three month tournaments or these one night shows in the contender series to earn contracts meanwhile they're having to fight two or three times a week and shit like to earn their contract so once again got to take my little zinger at the at the ultimate fighter and uh with that i mean now i'm just excited for it though yeah i think this could be the start of something too like say people really like this because in my head immediately i like tournament style stuff and if it's bringing in younger talent, the next wave, the next generation, you know, we could see this Asian version. We could have them do one in Africa. That's kind of that next big market too. Like this could really, really get some wheels and turn into something special over the next few years, I believe. And I wonder, because again, this first, I'm assuming first show or the beginning of this thing, whatever, it's lining up with that fight week in Singapore. So I'm wondering if all these shows are going to be in Asia somewhere. Like, I would like, imagine. Like, are they all going to be in Singapore, maybe? Or will they kind of be in different areas? I'm not sure where COVID... I, I know China's back under, like, a COVID shutdown, so I'm not sure where exactly you could go. But it would be really cool going off of what you're saying about, like, doing this for Africa. Because mm-hmm. so many people have been calling for the UFC to do a show out in Africa. So this could be, a, like, a feeler. See how crowds respond to those shows that like doing one out there in Africa, like, I don't know where you might do it, but, um, to have a show out there 
allow an audience, see how the audience responds. If they get a pretty big reaction, if they're a pretty rambunctious crowd, then say, okay, maybe we do bring a pretty big fight night out here and headline it with one of our guys that are, yes. you know, wanting to fight out there. So, yeah, um, I like where your head's at, but yeah, for sure. I want to see, I, I want to see this do well. Very much. Yep. Uh, speaking of, uh oh, speaking of prospect shows doing well, we got one that's not. I was about to say <laughs> the PFL Challenger Series. It's not been it's not been on here in a while. If you want an update, I forgot to cancel, so I oh no, charged another sixty five dollars for it, and I'm still not watching it. But um, again, Challenger Series, you know. It's it's honestly like as much as I kind of talk crap about it, like it's really not bad as a concept. It's just I feel like some they've kind of missed the mark on a lot of things involving it. Really, just the whole idea of it being on Fubo is just such a like missing the mark. Yeah, it is. Moment. Yeah, it is. Well, Dominic, that's not the only thing they're missing the mark on because uh, they're in some hot water here. They have been flagged by who? You might ask. Well. U.S. Integrity. Oh, Who is that? Federal well, government, huh? <laughs> they are a Las Vegas-based company, and essentially their job is to ensure that, you know, when you, they, they watch these betting lines for these different shows, and whenever they see some, you know, activity that looks suspicious, they're meant to flag it. And this event got flagged big time. It was the April 1st show. How fitting is it that it was the <laughs> show that this happens? Um, this was the show that also, I remember we were talking about this on a previous episode. We're like, what is that episode? Because they, they stopped doing weight classes for this one. Yeah. It was professional debuts. Oh my God. I can't imagine a worse idea for an episode. Professional debuts. Just a bunch of zeros on a card. Sweet. All right. Well, <laughs> They did not. Re- These fights were advertised by Fubo, by the PFL as being live on April first. However, in the lead up to the event, some of the favorites, you know, imagine a minus four hundred favorite. By the card starting, had spiked to like minus twenty two hundred. Yeah, I mean, just out, just absolutely outrageous betting lines. So obviously, this was flagged. Well, it turns out these were pre recorded. Meaning that March 25th, I believe, was when these were done, which was the day that the previous event was held. The spokesperson for the PFL claimed this is the first time they've ever pre-taped their fights. That it was uh, a a, a miscommunication that caused kind of the, a lot of the marketing around it to be like, oh, it's live and stuff. That that was, uh, you know, just something that they just, well, just missed it, I guess. But there, you know, it's a little weird because I'm pretty sure the broadcast still was saying we're live here. Um, oh yeah, they treated it as if such for sure. So a little suspicious. Yeah. And I mean, basically, Dominic, I'm going to present it to you like this because I know you haven't been, you know, I know you're not as uh, vocal, I guess, in your distaste for some of the Challenger Series stuff as me. At worst, or no, at best, at best, what you have here is a company that is on ESPN that's doing pretty well being ran by people that don't know what they're doing. So you have 
a lot of just idiocy going on. And at worst, you have people <laughs> committing crimes here, perhaps to get people to win some money on some bets or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that it's it's that, but that's the only two situations you have here. And neither one of those sound very appealing. So Dominic, this obviously isn't gonna end up being a huge story, I don't think as big as it probably should be. But do you have any sort of opinion on this? Does it does it change does it make you want to watch Challenger series even more? Huh, no, not at all. Definitely will never tune into a single episode of this series, but I more so worry about the PFL as a whole. Like, what kind of repercussions are we going to be talking here? Are we talking, are sports books going to be like, eh, we're just not even going to deal with the PFL? Because, I mean, their season starts in two weeks, and it's a big deal. We kind of love their season format and the way that they do it. But if, you know, betting, whether you like it or not, whether you bet or not, it brings more eyes to any sport. That's just a fact. And so if you can't bet on the PFL – in a in an organization that's already is going to have lower viewership than like a Bellator or a UFC, this could really I think have a greater effect on the company than what it may be at the surface. Uh, I don't know really what more will come from this, but I think that would be a big hit if they can no longer allow betting on their normal you know season and regular fights. You are completely right, and you're justified to be concerned about that. But I just don't think enough people are. I haven't seen yeah. a lot of people talking about it. I just don't think it's really going to... I mean, I'm sure they'll be hit with something. Yeah. Maybe certain sports books won't carry them, um, you know, which is definitely a hit. But uh, there was even there was a weird thing on there, though, where uh, the, the spokesperson for the PFL said that uh, that these sports books that were holding uh, the headlines for this event did it without their permission. So I kind of wondered, do... Sportsbooks have to get permission from the leagues mm. to, I don't know. I, that's not, yeah. I'm not on the inside. I don't really know how that works, but maybe they'll get hit with some fines or something. I'm like sure. But yeah. I don't think it's going to be anything too detrimental or affect their season. It might affect their chances of having right. Challenger Series 2 or something. Oh, no. We're, I can confidently, in my opinion, we'll never see Challenger Series again. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't well, I mean, I think they're going to finish out their run. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, another season, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, they might keep it going. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, we'll move on from there because uh, that's not very fun. Fight <laughs> announcements. Hey. Got one big one here. Bellator's middleweight title. Gegard Mousasi. This guy. Welcomes another undefeated wrestler. As Johnny Eblen <laughs> is the one to step up this time. I believe he's 10-0. Yeah. Up against Gegard Musasi. Once again, the story stays the same. Dominic, five times the amount of experience. Does Johnny Evelyn have any more of a chance than Austin Vanderford did in your eyes? The way Musasi's been looking <laughs> lately, I'm going to honestly say no as of right now. Uh, he just came off. He beat John Salter, right? Which Musasi dominated John Salter. So it's like MMA math. We talk about it on here. It doesn't work all the time. But uh, the odds are not in Evelyn's favor here. Musasi really still looks so great to be 36, 37 years old, over 50 professional fights. And if anything, he looks better and better uh, lately in Bellator. So it's an uphill battle, but good for Johnny Eblen, undefeated, ranked number one. Let's see if you can, uh, you know, climb the top of that mountain, kid. And I'm going to shuffle some things on our script here. Basically, this is more of a fight announcement 
this is about the PFL, but it's a it's a better thing here. So the PFL announced their May 6 card, which is going to be on ESPN2. And Dominic, we got names like Kayla Harrison in the main event, Ray Cooper the third in the co-main, and then Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald, among others. Mm. Is this a, I mean, this is going to be a pretty big deal for that ESPN2 card. Yeah, this is like a pretty big card outside of, you know, when they do their finals with all the title fights. This is, I feel like, one of the biggest cards they've had in recent memory with all these names on it. Even, I think, Magomed Magomed Karyomov is on the uh, prelims, who's a stud, too. So, this is going to be really fun. Julia Bud. Bud. Yeah, because it's the women's lightweights. Uh, so that's going to be on there too. Uh, I, hopefully, inevitably, we see her and Kayla match up. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this card. It's nice to at least bring a little bit of positivity back uh, to the PFL. I'm excited. Their season, like I said, it starts April 20th. We'll be talking about it here in a couple weeks. But yeah, that May 6th, uh, that, that's a hell of a card. I, and I also wonder how many times they've been on ESPN or ESPN2, the network. You know, even their finals. Yeah, true. Were on ESPN Plus. And I mean, Probably because they were seven hours long, yeah. but like you kind of, I kind of was sitting there and I'm like, is this the first, is this like their debut on the network or have they been on there? Like, I feel like they've been on there before, but yeah, um, yeah. to be on ESPN too, I mean, I, I'm here for it. I Kayla Harrison getting a big shine and obviously Ray Cooper the third are trying to put those two together because Ray I Cooper like is such an exciting fighter as well. And then you get Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald, I mean. This is a card I would pay money for. I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. This is a good card. But I'm the guy who paid sixty five dollars for Challenger Series. But so what wouldn't I pay for? You know, I mean, true. Anyways. Anything for the love of MMA. <laughs> Couple things that we missed before we get back to UFC two seventy three. Ben Rothwell. This is a small mm-hmm. one. I almost didn't put it on here, but it's a little weird. He was released by the UFC, but Dominic. This was despite the fact that he had been booked. Yeah. For a fight with Alexander Gustafsson. So, what do you think is going on here? <laughs> uh, farewell to Big Ben, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Kind of weird. I don't know if something happened behind the scenes. There's been nothing else that's come out, right? It was just like, hey, uh, Ben hey, got released gone. by the UFC. It didn't say, like, any fighter had to pull out. Yeah. Fight. It was just like, yeah. Ben's well, yeah, they're looking for a new opponent for Gus now. I'm like, yeah, add one. What the hell's going on? <laughs> so, I don't know. It's weird. If we don't get to see Ben Rothwell fight anymore, kind of a you know what a fun guy he's always been in fun fights, been fighting for years and years it's and a tough years. Tough way to end his career there. Yeah, yeah it's just smashed by Marcos Rogério. Oh Dolino. shit! Yeah, that was his last fight too. So it, it's just a bit strange, kind of out of nowhere. I'd love to see some more reasoning. If anybody sees anything that we haven't, please let us know. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little weird. And finally, Dominic, this one's all for you here, dude. We had a debut. Unlike any other, History. Barstool Sports, Caleb Presley was the first to interview one Hasbula. Wow. So my question for you, what was the biggest standout moment of the interview for you? All the little taglines and stuff, but it's got to be my favorite part. Hasbula goes, I don't pump iron. I am iron. I mean, come on. Chills? I need, I'm going to have to get merch. They did a merch release with him and partnership with Hasbulla. I'm going to have to get something, man. I thought I was a little underwhelmed by the merch. I know. There's not many great selections. I will say that. But I'm going to have to get something. Uh, but what a cool show. Caleb really loves uh, Hasbulla. Traveled all the way over there. Was with him for like the whole week. Uh, and it's just something. It, he's still very much relevant. Hasbulla, that is. And he's just this 
this international man of mystery that loves MMA, but he's such a he's doing shit in cars and flying down the road. That video of him and Caleb in the car is so funny, by the way, too, on that racetrack. But uh, this was just very lighthearted, funny, um, good time all around, man. So I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I mean, and if anything, like, you know, I, there's been this whole mystique behind him because he hasn't done any interviews. You know, yeah. Just, you just see these little things. He's at a UFC event. And yeah. There's those videos that came out of nowhere of him and that Abdul Razik right. or whatever, like right. facing off. That's where it all started. But then this interview, yes, it answered some questions, but if anything, it just made that mystique all the more like there. Like he's so good on the mic. He's so good. My favorite, my personal favorite moment was he was talking about how he used to carry a blade on him. And uh, Caleb, I think he said it was for people that messed with him. And Caleb's yeah. like, do you still carry it? He said, no. He said, I have brothers. Brothers are, are stronger than a blade or something like that. And I was like, man. I was like, yeah. Hasbulla smash. That's how I feel about my brothers. I'm like, my brother's stronger than a knife, man. Ah, uh, what a, what a uh, really cool it was. I mean, can we just talk about how weird it is that this dude is like this phenomenon? I mean, yeah. It That's all started, crypto, like it NFT all, thing. It all started with videos where people thought he was a legit child. Yeah. I mean, they thought these were children facing off, you know, these little Russian kids and they're, you know, talking. Turns out both of them just happened to have the same disorder. Yeah. That makes them look super young like kids but they're like 19 20 yeah years old. 19 and um you know the somehow the like i figured it was like a flash in the pan uh-uh. you know type type ordeal but the phenomenon's not wore off but it feels like people don't like it people might disagree with me on this but what is, what was first kind of this freak show kind of thing where it's like look at these adults that are looking like kids I feel like has turned into an actual appreciation for this guy who was born with this disorder, but he still like lives life to the fullest. And yeah. like, all these crazy things like there's comedy in it. Cause like, you know, his laugh is pretty funny. Oh, I know. Like, he has <laughs> these videos with, like kittens, him driving these fucking nice. Ass cars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. So there's a bit of that still there, but I think it's more so that people just love watching this guy. Like really, live his life to the fullest despite the things that held him back, you know, originally. Damn. Well said. You just gave me goosebumps there, Noah. I love Who it, Who would have thought about Hasbula, right? Man, what a story. Now for the rest. Back to UFC 273. <sighs> we go. Main card fight, Mackenzie Dern. Oh. Back after a disappointing main event performance. Going up against Tisha Torres on a three-fight winning streak, Dom. Yep. Who, with the win here, is getting closer to title uh, to a title fight? So, I actually really like this fight. People are going to be like, dude, you're such a simp. Shut up. Whatever. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> this is like, this is an important fight. It's because... okay. One of them don't, doesn't bat for this. The yeah, right. We're for us. So, right. So, uh, you, uh, you, you'll be fine there. But uh, Mackenzie Dern, on one end of the spectrum, has a lot of questions to answer. Because... She surged so greatly in 2020 into 2021 and then really just had a doll outing against Marina Rodriguez outside of a couple moments here and there. Um, she showed there's still a lot of holes for her to clean up, and I think that she can clean them up. But really, this fight against Tisha, it's kind of the same style of fight, except Tisha's, you know, 
five two, real short and small, but she's gonna bring the fight and she's gonna want to keep it on the feet. No one wants to grapple with McKenzie at the end of the day. So there's still a lot to be seen here from McKenzie, and if improvements are being made, can she set up the takedowns in a more proper, less sloppy way? If so, she's still absolutely world-class and the best jiu-jitsu artist probably in all of female MMA right now in the UFC. Uh, and for Tisha, this career resurgence, you know, I love seeing her and Carla kind of have it at the same time. Tisha's won three in a row, not against as big a names as Carla, but if she can beat McKenzie Dern, put herself back into top five where she's never really been before. This is, this has a lot riding on it, but it's just, it's obviously overshadowed by the three fights. I get that, but there are storylines here in this fight. Noah, I am very intrigued by this fight. Yeah. These are two women that I'm looking for something to like in my head, they have something to prove to me, which yes, I know they're both like, they're, they don't give a fuck what I think, but like, to me, I feel like I need to see something out of both of these women. Tisha Torres has been on a nice winning streak, but she's always faltered against the top-level competition. It doesn't always look particularly good against yeah. them. Mackenzie Dern, I was I was riding that wave with her, man. I mean, she was proving me wrong time and time again since coming back from having a baby, I believe, was when she had her layoff, right? Yep. And then that main event. With Marina mm-hmm. Rodriguez. And I know how good Marina Rodriguez is. True. But that fight showed a lot of holes in Mackenzie Durden's game. A fighter that depends so much on being on the ground didn't Can't seem get there. to have a very educated way to get it there. Yeah. And that's just, that's, until she shows that she's covered that up, I have a hard time putting any money on her ever. I mean, that's, that was just a big red flag for me with Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, Tisha Torres is a. I mean, she is a beast, man. She she'll come. Tiny tornado. She's a, she's a pressure. <laughs> yeah. She's a fighter that'll pressure you. She'll swing heavy on the feet. Um, Mackenzie Dern shown some improvements on the feet, but again, they're pretty minuscule when you're going up against some of the best strikers in the world in your division. I wouldn't necessarily put Tisha Torres there, but she's definitely better on the feet. Yes. And it, for Mackenzie Dern, the battle's going to be the same. Try to get this fight to the ground. Will she do it? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a very intriguing fight. I think it's a good addition to this main card. Yep. Following that, on the prelims, another Uh-oh. fight here. Aspen Ladd. Kind of, weirdly enough, Dominic, literally you could copy and paste the setup I had for a previous fight for this one. Yeah. Aspen Ladd. Coming off a five-round main event that was super disappointing. Her Oof. versus Norma Dumont. Maybe, maybe the worst main event in UFC history. I mean, pretty bad. In, Definitely of last divi- year. In a division that doesn't exist really, women's featherweight. <laughs> True. Just so many things about that fight and card. Just, you know, and everybody's already said their piece about it. She's going up against, at Bantamweight, Raquel Pennington, who's also on a three-fight streak. And funny enough, Raquel Pennington and Tisha Torres, weren't they a couple before? Yeah, I don't know if they still are. But I've tried to figure it out on social media, but yes. It seems like maybe they both got rid of one another, and then now they're on their best win streaks. Hmm, That could be true. But for Tisha, I was kind of aware of it. Raquel Pennington, this has gone completely under the radar for me. It has, it has. Until I saw the odds and saw Aspen Land as a pretty big underdog for this one. I had no... I, you could have told me Raquel Pennington was on a four-fight losing streak, and I would have believed you. Yeah. But but she's looked damn good, too, in her wins. So, Dominic, 
Aspen Ladd, she lost a lot of momentum last year. So much. Do you see her being able to gain any of it back, win or lose here Saturday? Dude, it might sound crazy. I'm going to talk about it again on the betting show. Tune in on Friday for those that are listening. But I still have a glimmer of hope. Mm. A little bit is still there. Now, if she goes out... Well, first off, the first fight for Aspen Lads of the scale. <laughs> on it. We're again, we're recording this on Wednesday. She might not even be fighting by the time <laughs> you're hearing this. this. But uh, I need so one. I need to see a weight, uh, a good weight cut. Make weight. No hesitations. No questions asked. I actually looked at her Instagram because she posts like a lot of outdoor hiking and stuff. She looks much leaner at this point going into the fight than she has previously. But again. That doesn't mean anything. I need to see Friday morning on the scale. But uh, I still have this hope in Aspen Lad. The thing is, Raquel Pennington's been in there with everyone. Everyone. And her last fight against Macy Chasson, again, that was at 145 for some dumbass reason. I don't know why that fight happened at Featherweight. But she dominated Macy Chasson. And that, like, Macy was a legit, like, so I thought, prospect for 135. And she probably still is. But, man, talk about halting her momentum. So if she can come in and make it four in a row, beat Aspen Ladd, she's launching herself back into top five, Noah, on her route back to a title shot, which all of a sudden isn't looking too out of the line. So, uh, yeah, th- there's Aspen needs to prove she is a, like a legitimate top five contender, make the weight, put together a full, complete performance. For Rocky, just another kind of how Noah said, a resurgence here that we could be witnessing that no one expected and really never saw coming. So. Yeah, I mean, Ra- Raquel Pennington is a former title challenger. Yeah. She had that infamous fight with Amanda Nunes where she was, like, ready to quit after round or between rounds four and five, and her coach wouldn't let her. Yep. Sent her back out there, but she got pummeled in that fight. It was bad. As everybody has tended to do with Amanda Nunes up until Juliana Pena. Yeah, still fucking blows my mind. But here with... Aspen Ladd, I don't think that's really the fight. I don't think it's necessarily like a blood and guts war type. But for no. Aspen Ladd, she can't look. I if there's a fighter that's been on my shit list for 2021, it's Aspen Ladd. Yeah, and that's and, you know no disrespect. Like you know, I know she's really like not a bad person. She's not you know. But what I mean is, is like she cannot afford to go in there and just like coast to a victory like you can't you use takedowns or whatever like you can't just lay and pray for three rounds we need some there needs to be some excitement here and she's done that before you know that's the thing yes i know she's capable of it but we just haven't seen it now and it seems like you know you've had the missed weight stuff going on outside yeah and then you have like a really subpar fight and performance out of her at a different weight class, but it might be the weight class that she, the only one she can make at this point. So you're right. First battle's making that scale, but after that, we got to see something that, that puts a little life into her career at this point. Because I know you have a glimmer of hope, but I think most people are like, have oh, yeah. Off. They've shut the door. Yeah. However, her ranking is still high. She's still up there. She hasn't lost that. So that's kind of the glimmer of hope I think that's left is that technically she is a top five ranked bantamweight. Yes. So she's not far off from technically a title shot. Especially in this division. Yes. Right. It's just, I don't think a boring performance here, a forgettable fight that she gets a judge's decision. And I don't think that's enough to for do me it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, a prospect that a lot of people are excited about. And we're not hearing about him. It's crazy. I feel like we haven't heard much about him this week. Yeah, it is. Kind of, he, he has kind of gone under the radar this time about. But I, he's still someone that, like, a lot of people are excited yes. on. Ian yes. Gary from Ireland, the former Cage Warriors stud. He's here going up against Darian Weeks, who's making his second walk to the Octagon, coming off a loss to a uh, decision loss to Brian Barbarena. Yeah. Actually, is Darian it's Weeks. It's a tough debut. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's a tough follow up here because <laughs> yeah. you're getting Ian Gary, who feels like everybody's ready to crown this guy the next Conor McGregor, whatever have you. You know, Patty Pimblett and they're kind of yeah. the two guys carrying that Cage Warriors banner right now. So. Uh, Dominic, your excitement level to see Ian Gary back in the uh, octagon. I'm pretty so excited. This is my most anticipated prelim fight for sure. Uh, Ian debuted at Madison Square Garden at 268. Now he's fighting on this massive card at 273. Uh, that's a big deal, man. And I think uh, you did a good job pinpointing this in the aftermath of his 268 win that a lot of people didn't really focus on. And I'm going to kind of bring it up here too. It wasn't some flawless victory like he was it was jordan williams right who yeah, he was fighting jordan, jordan was winning the round and like yeah. landing really good shots but then ian's counter to get the knockout was fucking it was beautiful yeah it was great but we saw adversity and he was losing that fight darian weeks is very unknown quote unquote he's only got six pro fights he lost his debut but again that was against barbarana I think there's room for more potential adversity here uh, for Ian Gary, for sure. He's a massive favorite, like minus 365. Uh, I, I Inevitably, I think we do see him win, but I think this is going to be a bit scrappier than what people are thinking. At least that's how I envision it. I could be completely wrong come Saturday night. Yeah, I, I feel like if I harp on these yeah, guys the... anymore, I feel like people are going to start labeling me like the, the Cage Warriors like hater or yeah. something. Yeah. I'm very excited to watch Ian Gary, just like I was very excited to watch Patty Pimblett. Everybody, please. I feel like nobody's really done it up to this point, but I'm just prepping for like people to come Hatred. out and yes. you know, It's the yeah. internet after all. Yeah. Ian Gary did not have the cleanest of debuts, but he had a hell of a clean counter <sighs> oh, to man. finish that fight. And, you know, his, his post-fight speech. Really, so good. Yeah, I mean. That's the kind of stuff that builds that stardom even more. So here he is. Yes, he's going a little bit more under the radar this time because you got the Hamzad effect, yeah. two title fights, all that. But I think that's actually to his benefit because, yes, he is probably, I mean, he's the feature prelim bout. Yes, he's the headliner. Yep. Um, for a reason. Yes, there is a reason for that. And obviously, there will be a lot of eyes on him come Saturday. I do think this anticipation will build. Yeah, it will come. And once Saturday comes, I think you're going to hear a very loud reaction in Jacksonville for him. Yeah. The question is, I guess, how is he going to do this time around? There's no, there's still expectations, but you're getting an opponent like Darian Weeks, who at best is a lateral move from Jordan Williams. I mean, Jordan Williams had UFC experience yeah. prior to their fight. I know Weeks does too, but. Darren Weeks, 5-1. I think he has four knockouts in his career. Yep. So he's definitely a heavy hitter. But, you know, and Brian Barbarina is definitely not a guy you're going to put away. I mean, you've seen the fight with Matt Brown. The guy is, that guy's got an unbelievable chin. So there is an interesting kind of uh, story here of, like, this unknown guy in Darian Weeks. I mean, I put the bet 
on Ian Gary before I even knew anything about Darian Weeks. So if that tells yeah. you anything about probably how most people are viewing this fight, it's that Ian Gary is simply going to walk through him. But nothing in, out of Ian Gary's debut would tell me that that's necessarily the case. I mean, he looked phenomenal once he got that finish, but he did take a lot of clean shots. He did seem to take some time to really get, get comfortable to that UFC speed. Yep. Can yep. Darian Weeks take advantage of that? Once again, a, a big stage, maybe not quite as big as his debut, but still UFC 273, a pay-per-view feature prelim bout. A lot on Ian Gary's shoulders here, but I do believe that he's got the tools to get it done, and he seems very cool, calm, confident going in. Yep, I like that. And lastly couple top 10 heavyweights on the prelims, Dom. I mean, She's talking about getting slept key, on. Low-key stacked card. You yeah. got Jarzinho Rosenstreich going up against Marcin Tibero. I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out. <laughs> guys. Yeah. You know, these guys, we've seen them fight a lot since we've started this podcast. I mean, Tibero was a low-key. Uh, he might have even been one of our nominees for 2020 Comeback Fighter of the Year because... He really did have a nice comeback, but now that he's gotten to fighting the best in the world, yeah, he's kind of back to being a bit of a 50-50 guy. And Rosenstreich has had his moments. I mean, the main event with Overeem, the knockout, that, that crazy second knockout, and then the knockout he had where he lost in Ghana was absolutely nuts. And ever since then, it's just been, you know, it's been kind of here or there. I believe he knocked, didn't he knock out Junior? Yeah, he, he put away Junior Dos Santos. His uh, Sakai knockout was awesome. Best performance of yeah, Biggie right, Boy's career. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. But yeah. then he has those losses like Surreal Gone and uh, Curtis Blades. And mm-hmm. He didn't really show a whole lot in those fights. So here he's going up against Tibera, who I would think would want to take this fight to the ground. But you saw when Tibera fought Volkov. He didn't do that. He kind of just yeah. stood with them. Didn't seem very comfortable with shooting it was weird. takedown. Do you, do we see him shoot for it this time, or is he going to go three rounds on the feet with Biggie Boy? Oh, he's going to have to shoot for a takedown, I think, because if 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 uh, Rosenstreich comes out with the stand up comprehension that he did against Augusto Sakai, and Tibera doesn't want to go to the ground, this ain't going to last very long. I think I think Biggie Boy like he is legit. Like he's got very good hands, very good power. Yeah. His very stand up is very underrated. Yes. Um, but so I think Tibera has to try and grapple in this one. And if it works, it's going to be a pretty one-sided fight for him, I believe. Because, again, I know he's not the same level of grappler that Curtis Blades is, but look what happened to Jarzinho in that fight. He showed nothing. He was on his back mm-hmm. for essentially the whole fight. So, uh, you know, this, it's not a striker grappler, but it feels like it. You know, because if Rosenstroik wants to win, he just keep it on the feet. If Tibera wants to win, I think he needs to grapple. I don't think he's going to knock out Rosenstroik. Rosenstroik's going to be uh, a very just big, long heavyweight with serious power. So there are implications here. I mean, again, this is number eight versus number 10. It's it's a big deal. It is just kind of one where, like, Noah kind of put it perfectly. One foot in, one foot out on both guys does a win really do like a ton form you know so it's a bit weird but i am i'm excited for it i'm glad one of us is i mean i i'm, I'm glad that the fight's happening i would rather see these two fight than them not fight at all yeah um it's a fresh matchup those True. are the pluses but i mean let's be honest i mean i'm not gonna stop myself this is the way i put it dominic if i'm really excited for a fight i will 
I I drink so much water that I just piss all the time. Yeah. I, a true test of if I'm excited for a fight is if I will refuse Hold the piss. to take a piss while yes. it's going on. This Hold is a fight I'd probably just say, meh, let's go. Letter take rip. a piss. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that analogy there now. Yeah. Do you think you would do the same? Uh, you think you'd hold it? Listen, I'm iffy on missing any fights nowadays. I'm actually going to go ahead and bring this up because the uh, this is a totally different fight. But fuck it. We're talking here at the end. Cody Garbrandt against Rafael Sunsell. <laughs> oh, Round, man. yeah, yeah. Round was coming to an end. Cody looked good. Back and forth first round or second round. I forget when it happened. And I got up. There's 10 seconds left. I went to go refill my water. Friends are sitting on the couch and they go, oh, oh, I hear, you know, whoever's on the commentary. Oh, I didn't get to see Cody Arbrandt's knockout. <laughs> knockout of the year contender in 2020 against Sun Tau because I got up to get a refill my water. So ever since then, I'm skeptical on missing any seconds of any fight. As crazy as yeah, that I is. Mean, truthfully, I probably would hold it because, you know, I'm, I'm dedicated to this show, man. I right. I give the clear thoughts. But that's the way I'm uh, that's the way I'm about <laughs> I, no, I, I like it. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up here. It's kind of a limp dick ending to this episode, but <laughs> no uh, pun intended. Thank there. you guys for joining us for this uh this edition of the weekend preview. Thank you all for showing your support for us through the the off period. You know, there was a lot of love shown to our vlog, our very first one. I thought mm-hmm. it turned out pretty good, even though Dom had to do a lot of heavy lifting in the middle portion. I'm sure you guys could tell. I really lost my mind upon entry in the nation. Right. He said it in the video. Literally, you see see me in the beginning. You see me in the end. Everything. It's like, where is he? Where'd he go? Yeah, I don't know where I went. I was just. He was was down there with Bruce Buffer party. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I just. Yeah, I don't know. But. uh, (laughs) I heard another noise. This place is haunted. I think it is haunted, actually. Anyway. We will be back on Friday for the Nosebleeds, the betting show about UFC 273. Make sure to check that out. We're going to do a little bit of a newer format for mm-hmm. it. So if you weren't on board before, maybe you'll be now. Yes. And then Sunday we'll have the weekend recap going over everything that takes place. Well, you'll see it Monday. Saturday. Oh, yeah. You get the I get it. Right. Of course. But uh, that's it, Dominic. We're out. We'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs>